In today's show, I'm going to be doing a Dynasty Mock Draft with Matt Lawson from FBI Basketball. You see him on Twitter at NBA Dynasty ADP. Michael Bolton, he's going to be here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, we're going to... Actually, I'm going to thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Dynasty Mock Draft. We're going to be doing one. That's it. It's a category league mock draft. It's 12 teams. It's 20 roster spots, 10 active, 10 bench. I'm picking at nine. And we're going to go through. It's the first mock draft that I've done for this season, but it is uh, just it is a dynasty one. Remember that. And I think we've ever done a full Dynasty mock draft on this show before. I went to do one last season with Matt, and I got an hour into it and realized I wasn't recording it. And uh, yeah, didn't have the time to reset it or redo it, so we just scrapped it, unfortunately. But we are going to do it this time, and fingers crossed that the record button works, and this isn't just going out into nowhere. And we're going to talk about the picks that we made, and you're going to see the differences in valuation of players in Dynasty formats as a startup Dynasty draft. It's going to be including the rookies. I've already done videos on my Dynasty rookie tiers. I've already had Matt on um, pre-draft as well to talk about his valuation of the rookies. I didn't speak to him post-draft. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, well, actually, we'll do that during this show. So we're going to do all of that in this show. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, before we do, though, I'm going to tell you about BetOnline because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the mock draft. Someone should just get it out now. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, whether that's Major League Baseball, the NFL, which is back, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, or even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered. And you can go check out the preseason action. Next preseason game, the Giants and the Patriots. Giants are two-point favorites. How much Mac Jones do we see? How much Daniel Jones do we see? Well, if you know the answer to that, you might be able to see what the odds are and, and check it out. We've got an over-under of 34 for that game over at BetOnline. It's the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's bring in Matt and get this um, get this dynasty rolling, I guess. All right, here he is. I've definitely hit record this time. We're ready to go. Matt Lawson, welcome back for your second go at a dynasty mock drive with me, but the first one we're going to record and release. How are you? I'm doing great, Josh. I am so fired up for this. Uh we're in this lull in the NBA news cycle, but we are in dynasty startup season. So getting to do a dynasty mock right now, especially at this moment where so many people don't really know where the season is headed, this is the perfect time uh, to be able to get some great value in your dynasty leagues. 
Yeah, you're right. It is a lull. I posted yesterday that Quinn Cook was signed by the Sacramento Kings, so that's how low things are, are at the moment in terms of news that's happening. We're doing a draft here on Fantrax, which of course, Matt, is always the best place to do Dynasty Leagues because everything you can want there is it is always going to be the best option to host your Dynasty Leagues. Now, we've, we're like five minutes away from this draft starting, so do you want to just run, run us through what the settings are, what the situation is with this uh, with this draft before we kick off? Absolutely. This is a uh, pretty standard dynasty uh, startup draft. We have a 12-team league, uh, nine-category, head-to-head. Each category counts toward one win in your matchup. Uh, so pretty standard uh, and common for a dynasty setup. What we're doing here is a 20-man roster per team, so there'll be 20 rounds. This allows you to be able to get deep enough into the player pool that most of the good prospects who should be rostered in a dynasty league can be, while still allowing you to be able to be competitive at the same time. If you have too few roster spots uh, in your 12-team league, it ends up just being a churn and very difficult to be able to stash players who aren't getting immediate production. So I like to be able to hit that point where you're getting up to 240 players rostered. Um, and that's what we have here with 10 starters, three guards, uh, three forwards, one center, and three flex spots. Oh, so we, we didn't decide to do three centers to make it. We should add four centers, honestly, if we're going to just follow onto the standard settings that some other uh, formats might have. But we only got the one center starting, which is uh, absolutely perfect for me, Matt. Um, before we head into this draft and we get into it, oh, the other thing, third round reversal we've got in this draft as well, for those of you unaware. Matt is picking at 12. I am picking at 9 in the first round, then we go on from there. But just give us a plug of, of what you do, and you've opened your new website. It's got all of your Dynasty ADP data and Dynasty ranks. So tell people about the leagues that you run and the information on your website. Yeah, so uh, our, our baby is uh, Fantasy Basketball International, which is a community that we started on Discord uh, to be able to uh, host fantasy basketball conversation. Uh, and the league chats uh, for various dynasty, redraft, draft-only fantasy basketball leagues. And uh, it's grown tremendously. We're around 1,500 members on our Discord at this point, um, hosting dozens of dynasty leagues, dozens of redraft leagues every year. And a lot of that is going to start opening up in the next few weeks with new redraft league opportunities available. Uh, but you can find all of our content and, and the ability to be able to join our Discord on fbibasketball.com. Uh, that's where you're going to be able to find my dynasty rankings for both categories and points leagues, my dynasty ADP data, which you can't find anywhere else, um, and also uh, things like my rookie rankings for dynasty leagues for this year, and our draft guide, which we're starting to fill in now, which has my minutes projections and rotation projections for opening night uh, coming up in October. Um, and also, I've recently uh, put together my projections and rankings for the 2022-2023 uh, season. Uh, so those are available right now exclusively on my Patreon page, but soon enough, they'll also be on FBIBasketball.com. I'm going to put a link to the website here so people can join to find leagues. I am going to be jumping in a bunch of those draft-only leagues I'm expecting this season. Um, yeah, check out the Dynasty ADP, the Dynasty rankings, and we're going to go through this. We, we, we did speak, Matt, before the NBA draft about our rookie tiers and rookie ranks. Um, we didn't we didn't talk after the draft. I did my rookie ranks, but we'll see how that plays out through this draft and how we value the players and how much of a change we had since we discussed that back in whatever it was mid June when we talked about the rookies and their uh, their potential value heading into the season. We are how far away? Are we? Two two minutes away. Let's flick into the draft room. Fan tracks, by the way, updated draft room. So you'll see what that looks like 
over on the screen there, a little bit nicer than the previous one. I've just got to double check. Is that is that horn going to go off again? It better not. Oh. <laughs> I think it's off by default, uh, which Christ. was a nice nice addition uh, to the draft room. The updated draft room does not automatically blare that horn. I can't find. I've had. I can't find the button. Where's where's the horn button? I need to know. I need to get rid of it. Where is it? Oh no. Uh, we'll, we'll find out anyway, but it, it does look a lot nicer. You've got the chat over on the left. You've got the teams up the top, much easier to see who's picking, uh, who and who's picking when, um, in terms of rounds and, and players, the, the draft queue over on the right hand side, my roster on the far right and in the middle of the queue of players, um, fan tracks defaults. So this weird ranking on their list, which is based on some fan track score, which I have no idea what it is. And it's based heavily onto totals and some other random concoction they have because they've got Miles Bridges at four. So be really careful if you're going into a draft, uh, you don't want to draft Miles Bridges at four. Click the ADP tab, sort it that way. And we're off. We're ready to go. No horn, I think. Oh, mate, we'll see where it comes to my pick, whether we're horning up or not. Brant Hoover. Oh, we had a noise. That's not, that's not a terrible noise, though. Um... All right, so let's... Nikola Jokic goes at number one. Matt, I'm assuming there's no surprise there. Yeah, he's been the consensus, and Luke has been the consensus of two, which just went off the board there. Those two, one and two, is pretty standard across Dynasty Leagues right now. I'm going to mute that sound because it is going to annoy me. Um, Chet Holmgren at three. Wow, okay, so there's something that went... That's wild. Now, that that isn't reflected in your Dynasty ADP data. What, no. what, are, you, what are you making of that? Well, so it's too high, uh, but I do have Chet Holmgren inside of my top 15 at this point. Um, and I, I know that's aggressive compared to some other dynasty rankings that I've seen out there, but I think it's warranted. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I would not take him at three, but I do love Chet's fantasy game, and I think he's a tremendous fantasy prospect. Yeah, I I think I had him at, at 10, maybe. So I had, I had him pretty high on the list there. Lamelo at four. I reckon that might be a steal. I had Lamelo at like three or two. So that's. He's a three for me. Yeah. So I, I think that's like. You can talk about whether these other guys are better players than him. Lamelo's already like a top 10 guy, and he's 21. Like, is he 21 yet? Is he even turned 21? I don't even know if he is. <laughs> he is turning 21 in like two weeks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jason Tatum goes at five. Yeah, fair enough. It's a, it's sort of about... Oh, actually, I have I have a few other players ahead of Tatum. Um, I had him a little bit lower than that. Where do you have him sitting at the moment? I have Tatum uh, at four right now because of youth and the fact that I think his steal rate probably comes back up. Last year was a little bit of a dip in that, but I think you know the the peak of Jason Tatum uh, looks like maybe a top five player uh, for uh, across his prime. I was hoping Cade was going to slide to me, but it's my pick now. So you can talk about Cade and Edwards going at seven and eight, and now it is my selection. And I don't oh those guys though. Oh, I don't like those guys that just got taken. Do I do this? Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to take 27 seconds. I'm debating here Garland or Halliburton. I'm going to take Tyrese, and I don't love it. I wanted Cunningham or Edwards, and I didn't get them, so I'm going to take Tyrese at nine. How bad is that pick, Matt? I love Halliburton this year especially. It's kind of a rare situation where despite being young, I might actually like him a little bit more in redraft this year than yeah, I do in Dynasty just because I don't know if long-term he's going to get to be the primary uh, creator, primary initiator of offense You know, for, for the long-term. He probably will be for the short-term for the Pacers, uh, but he's going to be incredible this year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and that sort of gives me, like he's young, but it gives me value at, at that spot to even like build it a, a more of a win now team as well. Like yeah, Cunningham at seven pushes you a little bit further into the future. Chet at three pushes you a bit into the future. Tyrese could end up at nine this season. 
And you're right, like in four seasons, he might be 25th and it might sort of go in the opposite direction to what you think. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was Garland was the other option there for me, but again, I just, I hated that Chet and Lamelo and Cade and Edwards all went. They were the guys that I really wanted to get there. Trey Young goes at 11, or 10, sorry, Mobley at 11. So let's talk us through what you're doing for your two picks here. I like Mobley at 11. Yeah. So this is really interesting here. Um, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Darius Garland still on the board. Really love all three of those players. And I, I don't think that I would probably go double center here, uh, even though I think Cat now has forward eligibility as well and will play power forward this year next to Rudy Gobert. Um, I think it's between those three for me uh, at the turn here. And what I, what I think I'm going to do is try to preserve some youth while trying to be productive at the same time. Um, I, and I think I'm going to build around Carl Anthony Towns and Darius Garland uh, with these two picks. My top three that I had on the, on the board were Embiid, Towns, and Garland. Um, so, yeah, we're so, I guess we're pretty aligned. They're the three names that you mentioned. They're the three guys I had at that spot. You'll notice guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant are still sitting out there available. Uh, another name that people might be a bit cautious or curious about is the fact that uh, Ja Morant is still around, but we don't love him as much in category leagues. Uh, although he actually just went there at pick whatever that is, pick 14, which again, probably feels a little bit high for me. For me, I know he's young and I guess, and we've, we've talked about this in the past with Dynasty, he might never ever have a top 14 fantasy season in category leagues. But if he's 25th for 10 straight years, that probably justifies a pick at 14. I think that's right. Uh, it looks like you come up here on the clock. I am on and the we clock. Have Scotty Barnes go uh, at fifteen. Ooh, okay, so I can go. Yeah, I've got Embiid, who is falling a little bit, but we know that Joel is what twenty eight at the moment. I, t- I tell you, who I might pick here, and I better make that call soon. I'm gonna go with Shea. There you go. Let's go guard heavy. I'm gonna take Gildas Alexander. At I probably probably should have gone in bead. He's just he's really good, but there's a lot of risk and the age profile. Shea's 24 versus Embiid being 28, and then you know, comparing that with Halliburton. And I think again, there's a possibility that Shea can push close to this number in um in redraft as well. So I think so. What, what do you make of Barnes going ahead of Shea? That's tough. I, I um, have them very close in my rankings, uh, but I do have Shea higher. Um, with Barnes, I think what we saw last year was really interesting because it wasn't the player that we thought he was going to be coming out of Florida no, State. Florida State, he's playing as a sixth man, on ball a ton, a ton of assists, high steal rate. And we didn't really see that player because he played a different role for Toronto last year. But I think he's going to start becoming that more on ball, heavy assist player. And that with the rebounding, with the offensive aggression that he, we hadn't seen before, Barnes could be really special, uh, but his fantasy game isn't there yet. Paulo Banquero goes next. Now, I, I had a look at a quick peek at your dynasty rankings, and he wasn't ranked this high. Someone mentioned to me, they, I don't know where they commented, they said, hey, I'm doing a dynasty startup. You guys can see what's happening in the picks if you're on YouTube here as we just discussed things. Embiid went after Bunkero. They said, yeah, I've been doing a dynasty startup. He goes, it's too aggressive for me to take Bunkero in round four. I go, round four, there's no way. Like, he's going to go in round two. And someone replied back, oh, shocked, round two, no way. What are you talking about? And then I started second-guessing myself and I had a look at your things, your rankings, and you had him a little bit lower. I go, am I off that? But he's gone middle of the second round here. And I think it's totally fine. Obviously, my gut feel initially was second round, probably late second round, so maybe he's gone a bit higher. But Paolo... At that spot, ahead of Embiid, ahead of Curry, um, how are you feeling about that? 
Yeah, I, I think that's right. Apollo's uh, ADP is at 21.2 coming out of the series of mock drafts we just did. And I've moved him up to number 26 in my rankings uh, because I think he's just going to have great opportunity even as a rookie. Uh, when you have that level yeah. of uh, production, when he's you know only going to be 19 years old to start the season, he has to be you know in that range of the second round of a 12-team startup. So we went Bunkero, and then we went Embiid, Steph, Bam, so we've got guys like Durant, Irving, Harden, all sitting around here. This starting to get to that interesting area where these guys who are top 10, top 12 players fall into the 20s and 30s. And you've got to start to make those calls as to which direction you're building your squad. Devin Booker goes there after Bam. That's probably about right. Him, I had him quite, you know, quite close to the top of my board. At this spot, Donovan Mitchell goes next. He was you know, close to that as well. This is probably, again, similar to his redraft value, maybe a little bit higher. Um, and then Jaron Jackson. Now, that one from Matt Chilson, which we'll talk about because it's coming back to your pick in a second here. I'll talk about that while you get prepared for your pick. That's bold, right? Because Jaron's going to miss time this season. Um, he's picked Luka Doncic. So those guys were in the same draft, on the same time frame, but we know Luka's already you know, top level, top 10 sort of a player. You're going to miss Jaron for the start of this season. So it is, I guess there is that future value there. And I'm annoyed that Jalen Green just went because I wanted to see if he'd slide to me. It is interesting to see that Jackson might miss three months of this season. And you, yeah, your second round pick for this dynasty, when you've got Luca, you may be wiping that out already. Although Luca is young enough to build through to the future. Um, I'll get your thoughts. So tell us what you're thinking here with your pick. After your first yeah, so this is questions. a real fork in a road here uh, with guys like Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, James yeah. Harden, Anthony Davis still on the board. Um, obviously, I have a younger build here, and I'm pretty insulated on free throw percentage. So I'm going to take don't, a little bit of a Hail Mary don't. and going to be taking uh, Zion Williams. Oh, so I wanted. Oh, man. Uh, I like it. I really like it. It's a great pick. He's going to just, I think he's going to dominate this year, to be honest. I think he's going to put up. Okay, let me throw this out at you, Matt. Do you think Zion can average 30, 30 points per game this season? If if there's any development or growth from what he did in his sophomore season, absolutely. I mean, this was one of the most efficient scorers at the rim that we've ever seen in the NBA, even up there with Giannis numbers. So there's really no reason that he can't reach those heights as long as he's able to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Dejounte Murray goes next. Number NBA villain number one. Dejounte Murray's losing his mind at the moment in the off season. Just every day there's a clip of him doing something stupid. But oh, that's just basketball. That's just what happens. It's not really like if you're a professional basketball player, you don't bounce the ball off the players' heads when they're laying on the ground. That is just real shiploke territory. And uh, we'll see what happens during the season. But he definitely is uh, un- uncorking a few things here after getting traded from San Antonio. Now I'm gonna have to buckle down here and really figure out what I'm going to do. Because, oh, Jabari Smith, he was like at the top of my list as well. All right, because I'm relatively young, but I'm not super young. What am I going to do at this spot? Hmm. Durant's still there. Harden's still there. How how crazy do we go here? Let's, you know what? This is pick number 28. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna. It's mainly for the memes. But I'm going to take old mate Alpren Shengun. It's a delicate dance in just you know, 17 gosh, Basketball Monsters steps. opening next Monday, which is a very important day on my calendar. Or at least that's what I've heard. And uh, I cannot wait to see where you have uh, Alper and Shangun after that. That's, seen that. that's very exciting. Um, we are opening next Monday, the 15th. And where is... Where have I got Alper in? I, th- I don't think it's as high as what people might expect. So I'm a little worried about foul trouble, but 
Their backup center is nobody, really. It's Usman Garuba. So they're going to have to play him minutes. Um, I think he's I think he's at around 50 from memory. Um, That's it's, around where I have him, too, because I, you know, I try to be conservative with it. Obviously, if he plays huge minutes, I mean, the sky's the limit. Oh, look, if, he, if he plays 32 minutes, he'll be a third round sort of guy. I'm just going to double check that, give you guys a bit of a spoiler. I haven't finished the projections yet as to where uh, Shingun is coming out in that. And we'll get back to this draft. Oh, actually, no, I have him even lower because I have him projected at under 30 minutes to try and be cautious with it. I've got him inside the top 70 at the moment. So that's, that is being a bit cautious and I do expect him to be better than that most likely, but there's a level of caution that I have uh, applied to his projection at this point. I have to say, I love how the Rockets are insulating Shangun and maybe some of his defensive deficiencies, adding Jabari Smith and Tari Eason. I think long-term, that's going to make yep. it possible for him to hit his ceiling. All right, so after Shangun went Josh Giddy, then Zach Levine, then Anthony Davis, and now DeMontis Sabonis. So we're starting to see those veterans go, and I reckon... I'll spoil it a little bit. When it gets back to my pick, I am going to try and take one of these guys that's fallen, whether that's a Harden, an Irving, um, Durant, any of these players who are around, um, these older guys. I might just chuck one of those players in. So I've got some guys who are young, obviously with Shingun and Halliburton and Shea is, is you know, 24. But I I think with my guys and, and, and with your players as well, it's very easy to make an argument that they actually finish at this spot this season. Like I could easily see... Halliburton top 10, Shea top 20, and Shangun top 30. Like, I don't think that's a stretch. So it doesn't put me in the, well, I'm definitely building for the future mode, whereas I, I am, but I can insulate myself with some older guys. And I think the same thing with you with Towns at 12 and Garland at 13 and Zion at 25. They could all very, very easily finish in that position. Yeah, that, that was my idea. And I think that's why you go younger in the early rounds in Dynasty Startups because you can get both production and youth at the same time early on. Yep, absolutely. And then after Sabonis, it is Durant, it is Van Vliet. So I'm not, I'm not sure how many of these young or these older sort of players are going to get back to me. But as you can see, the top of the queue here on Fantrax, Harden, Lillard, James, Paul George, Irving, Gobert, Beal, um, even Siakam's a little bit older than Jimmy Butler and Vooch. Majority of those guys are 30 years old. After Van Vliet goes Jalen Brown, and then we're ready to finish off round three with Brandt, who's picked Jokic and then Jalen Green, and he's going for his third selection now. We'll see how that pans out. And he, and he did take Kyrie there, which is tremendous value for when you've got the number one player. Um, you might have a top 10 player there in Kyrie as well. And Jalen Green's probably going to give you some future insulation, but also some decent value. That's a pretty strong team to, to build up um, yeah, with Kyrie. But yeah, who knows how long Kyrie's career actually lasts. We just don't know what's going to happen with him. Kyrie is fascinating because he has an ADP right now in our latest series of mocks at 50.8. So people stayed away uh, pretty oh. heavily, even though he can be easily a top 10 player um, on the court, top five, you know, at, at times at, per game. So that's it, crazy. It is the, it's an ultimate dice roll, but I think there's value in that. And I think yeah. you should be looking to acquire Kyrie if you're a contending team in the dynasty league. Harden goes next. And then DeAndre Ayton, yeah, that, that that team, Harden, Irving, Jokic, like that's legitimately three top seven players basically for this coming season. Uh, it's a pretty strong team. Franz Wagner, whew, that's an interesting pick. And then Lillard goes after that at pick 40. Wagner was at 39. Um, we're getting back closer to my selection. So LeBron's still there. Uh, Beal, Gobert, George, DeRozan, Chris Paul. Ah, the headmaster, Jamal Murray. He goes next at 41. I don't expect there to be huge amounts of limitations on Murray this season. I know some people are you know, really worried that he's going to just miss all back-to-back. So that's that's just not a common thing for ACLs. Like, it's just, 
I know we're all scared by Jonathan Isaac, but it's just not a common thing that an ACL takes two full years out of your schedule and it limits you to you know one one year missed and then half a year gone from resting. I just, it, it might he will, he will rest initially, but there are some people I've seen worried that he's going to play like twenty seven minutes, and I I don't think that's a concern at all. Yeah, I think there was some quotes from Mike Malone about taking it easy on Murray early there in the was. season, and that might be true. I think he wants to get his confidence level up. That was the thing that was mentioned at the end of last season, that he didn't have confidence in the knee yet. Uh, so I think they'll they'll be slow at the beginning of the season, but I, I think that won't last very long. We've got, after Murray goes Tyus Maxey, then Paul George. Now it's my pick, and I am going to maybe target an older player here, depending on what comes through. Oh, okay, Beal was my option. I am going to... Hmm. All right, this guy's not that old, but he's treated as if he's old. I'm going to take... Oh, am I going to do it? I was going to push Porzingis. Am I going to do it? Oh, the, oh, that's that's tough. The other one who's there is Rob Williams, who's not old. Now, you know what? Let's just take Rob. Bang. Rob Williams. I was going to take Porzingis, but I'm going to take Robbie Williams. Instead, um, give me some nice block insulation. Him and Shangun can get some blocks there. There is injury risk, of course, but again, like we've talked about so many times, he's forty fifth. Like he can, he'll, he should exceed that ranking this season. And I guess the worry is just the persistent lower body injuries he's had, much like with Porzingis. But Rob Williams is only—he's not even twenty five yet. So yeah, pretty happy to get him there. Actually, that feels like a bit of a steal, to be honest. It is, and I think right now, because he played through injury in the playoffs, and, and he's missed, obviously, a good number of games in his young career, um, there's a little bit of value that you can get Rob Williams in Dynasty right now. Yeah, that's that's really that's your pick here, but it is really important to note. Like, I remember talking when I was doing a show regarding the way that turnovers skew rankings in in fantasy leagues and how it can adjust people's opinion on it. And I you know, said on a per game basis, Rob Williams was like 15th and Doncic was 30th if you include turnovers. And I go, that just doesn't show the reality of the value of those players. And then someone goes, oh, how about if you do totals? That'll definitely show you because Williams missed so much time. I go, he missed four more games than Doncic did. And I think people don't realize Doncic missed that much time. Or they think that Williams just was out the whole season because he had that injury in the playoffs. He played 64 games. There are plenty of players. I think Giannis played 67. Doncic played 68. There are plenty of players who played in that mid-60s range. It doesn't make him this crazy outlier. Yes, he did get hurt in the playoffs and played through that injury. But that, like I've tried to prove over my show plenty of times, it doesn't mean that he's going to get hurt again. He has had multiple injuries, but the narrative of him is that he just missed all of last season. And that just isn't true, really. The problem is he missed during the fantasy playoffs, and that's what people remember. Um, after Rob Williams was OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and then you took the big fella. Uh, De'Aaron Fox there, who absolutely ended last season on a huge tear, Matt. That's right. I mean, I really, and that's happened multiple times in his career, yes. where we're like, oh, De'Aaron Fox has finally figured out how to shoot, and you know, look how aggressive he's being offensively. Um, and then it goes back to kind of <laughs> the disappointing De'Aaron Fox the following year. But uh, I think that the, the team is set up, obviously, for him to have the same finish, uh, the start, to start the season the same way that he finished it. And I think I think that Fox is, uh, you know, especially at this point when you're looking to be able to get assists before they dry up, I wanted to be able to lock into that, having Garland earlier, wanted to make sure to get a few more. And I'm also taking here at the turn Kawhi Leonard. Um, And this is obviously a gamble too, uh, but I think needless to say, we know that Kawhi, when he's on the court, is going to be a top 10 player. Um, I don't expect him to play any back-to-backs, but when I'm getting him at pick 50, 
Uh, I have the ability to be able to have him miss some games, but still be able to get the benefit of Kawhi Leonard being a top 10 per game player. Um, that's interesting. He was on my radar to come back around to me. One thing that is important if you are drafting off Fantrax, and we spoke about this off air, is that for some reason on this ADP list, Kawhi is listed with an ADP of 259. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why he's the only player that's falling through the ADP cracks, but if you are searching by ADP, he's never going to appear on this list until they make that adjustment. I know we missed all of last season, but so did Zion, and Zion's ranked third. We've got the ADP of 38. So for some reason, Kawhi's just slipping through the cracks. So if you do want him, you've got to go search for him. He's the only player I found who sort of slipped through the cracks that much, and it is my pick. After Kawhi was Jimmy, it went then Miles Turner, and I've got the chance to get Porzingis again. <sighs> or, 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 what do I do? All right, this one. See, the two names I'm thinking here is Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, but they might be complete pumpkins in two years' time. They're really going to be like you know, putting up numbers on a shit team and then things go awry after that. You know what I'm gonna, I am going to do? I'm just going to take... Oh, I'm not, I don't like that either. Oh, damn it. No, I'm going to take Porzingis. Let's, just, let's roll the dice. Porzingis was a top like 17 player uh, in Washington. So... Do I have faith in him? No. But am I okay with getting him at 53? I think so. Josh, I think we had our first uh, party foul of the draft. It looks like it, it, that you just missed oh, you uh, getting that one in. But, uh, so we'll undo it um, <sighs> and get you back on the clock so you can make your selection. That was too much talking on, on, my, uh, on my end. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That is what I wanted to do. Uh, yeah, because Miles Bridges is ranked fourth on uh, the auto rankings there for Fantrax. I was talking too much. Um, Matt said that Miles could have been a podcast moment. I didn't even realize that I, I took Miles because I clicked on Pozingas just as the time went off and I saw Pozingas appear in the chat as someone selecting him and uh, it wasn't me apparently. So there you go. I took Pozingas in that spot. Just too much waffling on my end. Um, Jordan Poole goes. That's one where... I could see Paul dropping from last season, but then in two years' time, exceeding this number. So it's it's a tough sort of one to balance. But this is a team that the picked in that's got Embiid, Levine, and George. So I don't know where he's... And he picked Kate early. That, that to me, not not to throw any shade here on Big Sweezy, it's a little bit of a confused team to me, having you know Cunningham that early and then going quite older with those other three players. Um, what do you make of a construction like that? Well, the one thing that I want everybody to remember, too, is that you don't need to come out of the dynasty startup draft with that being a team that is cohesive and makes sense by itself. This is your biggest opportunity in the history of a dynasty league to be able to get value. So if you think you're getting incredible value, you're going to be able to turn it in a trade. I'm OK with a team that doesn't make logical sense as far as older players and younger players, as long as you're pursuing value. You just have to be ready to trade. Uh, but obviously, I don't think that makes a lot of sense if you're going to try to play with this team right away because pool is going to be suppressed a little bit in the short term. Yeah, it is. It, it's getting value there. I think, it, look, pool can have some top 30 seasons, but it probably won't be this season. And again, you've got to try and you never want to be in that sort of making the playoffs, not making the playoffs. That's your no man's land like it is in the NBA. And you've got to try and thread that needle as to where you are. And, and sometimes having those teams, unless you're making trades, those sort of teams where they are a little bit confused like that can end up um, yeah, pushing into that sort of position, which which can be rough at times. Gobert, that's, that is wildly late for Gobert. I know he's old, older, but at 57, that is... 
That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty good value, I think, there for Mister Black, who went older with Durant, Lillard, and even took Booker. Uh, there, that's that's a strong. That's a massively strong redraft team, and you have to think that that sort of squad, um, yeah, is really in to compete straight away. Yeah, Gobert always falls a little bit further because people are bored with him, just like they are for a defensive player of the year. I mean, he's he's a great player. He's a great player in fantasy, but he, you know, people in dynasty have gotten a little bit tired of getting the same thing every year, which is great production. A Kongwu goes after that. That's again, that's probably one for a year's time. There is a chance that there is a twenty four twenty four split with him this season, but maybe not happening. Wendell Carter, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what they do in that front court, Matt, with I've spoken to not spoken to people, I've interacted with people who have said, Oh, yeah, they're really worried that it's just going to be Bumber and Carter splitting minutes and I think that would be A insane and B not likely to happen. But are you, do you have any worry about, you know, Bunkero and Isaac and Akiki and Carter and Bumber all in that front court? I just think it's pretty clear. You give Wendell thirty, you give Bunkero thirty three and everyone else just fight over the rest. But are you worried about how that plays out? Oh, no, I, I think you follow the money on that. Wendell Carter uh, has a long-term contract. Mo Bamba doesn't. Mo Bamba essentially has a one-year deal. Um, they they kind of bailed him out. Uh, and, you know, there's a team option on the second year. So I'm not really concerned about them prioritizing Bamba's minutes over Carter. I think Carter is a better fit, especially because of the spacing that he showed with his improved shooting last year. And defensively, he's just much more of a solid player. Bamba's just too slow-footed to be able to be out there, especially when you don't have uh, as much defense what do you make of Jalen Duran, who went there at pick 61, going ahead of Keegan Murray at 63? Uh, that would be too high for me. I really like Jalen Duran a lot. I think that he's in a great position. He's going to be catching lobs from Cape Cunningham and uh, Jay Nivey for a long time, but I would definitely take Keegan Murray over him uh, and would have Duran more in the 80s of a startup uh, than taking him here in the 60s. LeBron went at pick 64, which, again, he's on that team that we talked about with Gobert, Lillard, Durant. Like, this Mr. Black's team is probably going to crush it this season. You would think that he's the number one team heading into the year. Uh, the value is going to drop off pretty quickly, but that is some real value. Jay Nivey, that is insanely high to me. Um, Ivy doesn't, we spoke about this pre-draft, he doesn't have the greatest fantasy profile with some iffy percentages and lack of defensive stats and not necessarily high assists as a point guard. That That feels a bit crazy to me. His ADP is uh, uh, right about there, actually, 65.7. So that's exactly where he's going. And we are in rookie hype season. Post-summer league, this is when the rookies tend to go the highest. Then reality sets in uh, when October and November basketball starts, and these guards especially struggle. So uh, not the best time to be buying Jay Ivey right now. After Ivey went Ben Simmons, then Des Bain. I was going to take Bain with my last pick when I took Porzingis, and I'm going to do a Grizzlies preview show later on today, and I'm going to talk about Bain and perhaps maybe some regression coming this season. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but he's still got some value. So I've got two guys in my queue, Keldon Johnson and Isaiah Jackson. I'm going to get one of them. Getting Isaiah Jackson to add to Shengun, Porzingis, and Williams really means that yeah, I've, I'm pretty flush with blocks. Like I'm good. Like That's blocks sorted for me. And now I've got the choice between the two. But do I grab someone like Calden, who I don't necessarily believe in long-term, but maybe for the next year or maybe two years, he might average 25 points a game. And that has value, and maybe I can parlay that into a higher pick. Let's take Calden. Um, before I end up with Miles Bridges, I better click it. Calden Johnson, draft now. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not massively high on Calden long-term, but I feel like getting him there gives me some nice appeal for this season. What are you targeting as we're two picks away from you? 
So there's still a lot of win now production on the board. You know, guys like who are, you know, everyone's a little bit bored with Terry Rozier, Drew Holiday, DeMar DeRozan, Chris Middleton, Nikola Vucevic. I mean, they, they, there's, there's big men like, you know, Yaka Pertle, Jonas Valanciunas. So we're really reaching a range here where you have to make decisions because otherwise you're getting some younger players who aren't going to get a lot of production. Um, I love Lonzo Ball's fantasy game. I'm terrified of his knees. I do like the report the other day that he is going to be ready for the season. I don't know if that's true uh, because we've heard that before. Yeah, the Bulls uh, lie a lot. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so. Uh, yeah, Zach Levine. There's nothing wrong. No, his knee's fine. Just has surgery on it. Like, no worries. He's, I'm sure he's all good. Well, and there Lonzo goes. So uh, at this point, for me, I, I think that there's enough immediate production on the board, and I'm going to go in that direction. Um, I'm going to start out and. Uh, I think I'm going to take uh, Terry Rozier here, um, who, you know, on a team that now does not have model bridges and probably will not, is going to at least maintain his usage, if not increase it. Um, I think he's going to get relied on heavily. And he just continues to stack up really productive seasons, even though it's a little bit boring. Um, and I want to be able to continue uh, to get some of these big productive guards early on before they dry up. Um, on the other end here, this is a little bit more difficult. I think I'm probably going to take Booch because I think there's a lot of value in it. To be able to get uh, a big man who gives you that steady production across all categories, still a really strong rebounder, and, and, and put up some decent blocks last year as well. Um, I, I like the value of getting him at 73 uh, to be able to round out my roster. Are you ready for a hot Vooch take, which I don't know if I fully believe in, but I could see it happening? I think that this has a real chance of being the last season that he is a 30-minute-a-night starter. I I don't know where he goes from here. I made that argument with people too. Um, so part, part of me was not believing in, in the take that I just gave about drafting him. I think he will still be productive because you know his, his fantasy game is just so strong. But I think the Bulls have already intimated that they're interested in getting off of him. We heard those rumors this yep. offseason. And uh, bringing in Drummond suggests that, you know, they, they want to be able to play a little bit differently at center uh, than they do with Booch. I, I think that there's something to that, and we might be seeing uh, a decline from him, like we did for stretches last year, where his production really dropped. Yeah, he was rough at times last season, for sure. Definitely not at that top-end, second-round value that he was drafted at in certain situations. Now... I am at this spot where is DeRozan's there. Like we're sitting at you know, pick seventy five or whatever it is. Like, do I take Demar? I, I don't know. Like he is older. I don't expect him to have huge amounts of value as we move forward. Um, how old is he? He's thirty three. Again, I think there are other options similarly. I reckon I'm going to take Kaminga. Went. I this guy was going would have gone second round last season, and that's Maga Porter Jr. Let's take the flyer if it works. I'm pretty happy with that. Like, if the back is fixed, and I, I don't know that it is, but I'm happy with taking the risk at pick 76 with Michael Porter Jr. The concern that I have with Porter Jr. is that back problems don't necessarily ever get fixed. It's true. Uh, they're just going to need maintenance. And I think that we could have another stretch from him, like we did um, in the 2021 season, where he's healthy. And he's going to be a really good fantasy player when he is. So I, I'm hopeful for that. I want to see the Nuggets at full strength, and I would like to see Porter Jr. playing the way that he did uh, a couple seasons ago. Um, I want to talk about the two picks that are bookending my pick there. Kaminga, one pick before, and Pat Williams, one pick, pick after. To me, there is just so much other production on the board who I think is going to actually produce in the interim that they seem crazy to me. I don't believe in Pat Williams long-term. I think Kaminga's solid enough. 
Um, he has some holes in his in his fantasy game. But to me, with guys like um, like even someone like Bones Highland, um, not to spoil if you were going to pick him, oh, I've got to pick before you anyway. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, Kevin Porter, um, Jalen Brunson, um, these guys are available to me. Like I I just don't believe in Pat Williams and to a lesser extent Kaminga, but I, to me that's wildly high. I think with Pat Williams, if you believe in it, it's it's because you see someone like Jalen Brown and the way that Jalen Brown came into the league raw uh, with an undeveloped fantasy game. It was actually kind of a poor fantasy player to start. And you saw that slow development curve for wings who were drafted really high in NBA drafts happen. Um, and I I think that's the case for to make for Pat Williams, but I can definitely see the downside too. There's a lot of risk with him, um, and he would need to develop quite a bit in the coming years to be able to get to that level of even a Jalen Brown. You can make the argument for Isaac Okoro, but I don't see anyone jumping all over him to pick him at pick 70. Like They're basically the same sort of guy. Like if Williams is bigger, but it's defense first wings who don't generate defensive stats and struggle with their offensive game and aggression and usage and shooting and passing and everything basically in their game. But Williams gets held to this really high level. Like, Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Whereas Okoro is like, no one, no one even cares about that bloke anymore, to be honest, even though he's only like, he's, he's like a year and a half younger than the guy they drafted in the lottery this year in a budgie. So it's interesting. The difference between those two there, after Williams was D'Angelo Russell, then Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, Drew Holiday, Jim Wiseman. Um, I don't, I have no idea what to expect from Wiseman. I think that he's in the spot here where we can take that sort of flyer because if it does come together, the fantasy skill set is there. But we say that, Matt, about so many centers that oh, if they just get 28 minutes, but often they're just not good enough or switched on enough or willing to sacrifice in certain areas of their game to get those minutes. And I'm not sure that Wiseman does that. It's difficult to be able to have a guy who you both have to have him thread the needle on health and also developing into a smarter basketball player with better feel. Um, and that's where we are with Wiseman. Obviously, if it does hit, it's going to be huge. Uh, but I think it's more likely than not that we don't get that top end uh, outcome from him. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Like I've got people can see on the screen. I've had Isaiah Jackson sitting in my queue. Like I would, I would take him over James Wiseman pretty much every day of the week at this point. Shade and Sharp, so Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. That That's the team that just took Wiseman. That is... All right, so we are really looking at 2026 here. That is uh, that is aggressive to me. Well, they they also took a Kongo a little bit earlier, so this team is not playing for this season, for sure. The, I think that's, you know, that's a choice. The Sharp pick is one of those ones where, you're right, it's the new car off the lot sort of situation. It's the rookies. Hey, we don't know what these guys... There are... To me, there are so many... Like, again, I've mentioned Bones Highland, like... Bones Highland has done it already at an NBA level. Sharp might never do it. Like, there's always going to be, in general, one guy who stinks in the top 10 and another guy in the top five who really struggles, probably. And, you know, shout out Jarrett Culver. Like, Jalen Suggs struggled. I think Jalen Suggs is actually going to be good, but he struggled last season. There's Sharp might be great. He might be horrendous. And just, and he's not going to get the opportunity this season either. So that, that's, a, that's a weird one to me. Um, Rowan Barrett goes next which, yeah, in category leagues, he's never been this good and he may never will be. But as we talked about earlier, if he produces top 100, maybe even that might be a stretch, top 120 value for 10 years, then maybe there's enough there. He just needs to improve so many different areas of his game. Anything stand out to you with those picks? McCullum, Jaden McDaniel, Sharp, Barrett, Hero? 
McDaniels is really interesting to me, and this might be pricing out some of the value on him, but I think he's going to have to play a pretty huge role for the Wolves uh, this year. They need his uh, defense on the court with the way that they're going to be playing, and also I I think he's going to continue to improve as a shooter. Um, The steal numbers haven't been where you would hope they would be for a guy uh, who has a defensive profile, but I'm hopeful that his offensive game can develop enough that maybe he can earn this kind of top 100 production that he's being drafted for here. Yeah, like I, I just yeah, I think that he'll be useful and he'll be good on the court. I'm just not sure there's going to be the greatest fantasy game associated with it. After Hero goes smart, then Gary Trent, who I'm not particularly high on. It's just going to require just a, that unbelievable steal rate to continue. And in general, Matt, when I see someone who has like a top two steal season, I will price in a little bit of regression in that the coming year, and then that drops a little bit of his value. He's also... Uh, got a player option after this season as well. So he might go to a different team and things might change significantly after Trent goes Washington. And then it's me. And he's been sitting at the top of my list all this time. I'm going to do it. Let's just bite the bullet. Let's take Isaiah Jackson. Gives me some future upside. Blocks are absolutely locked down now with this squad. But again, I don't mind. Like as you said earlier, I don't mind too much if there's some imbalance in a dynasty team. And you're just getting that value in there where I could have, you know, Shengun and Jackson, who might be two top 30 centers in two years' time, I'm pretty okay with that. You'd have to think Miles Turner is going to get moved at some point. And, well, he's a free uh, agent know, this year anyway. Like This is his last year in yeah. Indiana, almost irrespective of what happens. And you can't imagine that they want to pay him, yeah. um, given the fact that they've had him on the block for so long. All right, I'm up here. Um, and again, there's a whole lot of win-now production still available. I kind of pivoted Tons. in that direction with my last couple picks. Um, I think what I want to be able to do here um, is add a little bit more at the center position. I'm a, a little bit, a little bit light as far as big men. Um, obviously I have Towns. Zion gives you that amazing field goal percentage and I took Booch, uh, but I want to be able to bolster that a little bit more. Um, I think I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm, I'm yes. going to take use of Nurkic. So Nurkic over Valanciunas. Is that an, well, is that an age thing? That's right. Um, and I, I do have some amount of concern of, you know, even though Jonas Valachunas is willing to take some threes, he took a few more last year. Uh, how well is that really going to work with Zion on the court? Yeah, I might be worried. Um, I, I think it's going to reduce uh, the amount that he's going to play. Um, so I'm really going to steer into this um, this win now. Uh, take a guy. This is still a nice value compared to ADP. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. But getting the, the assist that I'm going to be able to get from Chris Paul at this point is going to, is going to be an area that's dried up at this point in the draft pool. So I'll throw him on top uh, for a team that I'm now looking to be able to win this year with. Yeah, it's it's tremendous value. And it obviously gives you a nice little boost here with your squad as it sits. And you've got a pretty nice redraft sort of team with some dynasty upside as well. So it makes sense for you to lean into a player like that. Like. Again, there's just even an insane run on some rookies here. Like Mark Williams going at that spot. Like I don't, I don't think Williams is a lock to start. This is, in fact, I if I know Steve Clifford and I sort of do, I don't think that he's going to play huge amounts. He's not going to play. Bi- and I wanted uh, Bones High on there, so I'm annoyed that this bloke took him. Um, after Chris Paul went Highland, when Benedict Mathurin is back to my pick. You know what? Let's do it. Let's go with uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who, like. Your your mate Darren Fox really turned it on at the end of last season. Do I believe in that long term? Hundred percent, no. But I'll take a crack at it right here and see exactly where we are, where he ends up, and let's hope that 
for my sake in this situation that he is their point guard of the future. Although in my heart, I absolutely do not believe that. Herb Jones goes after uh, Kevin Porter. And let's get back to the Pelicans and let some more of this draft play out. And you talked about Valanchunas. Like, they're going to start, I would guess, McCullum Jones, Ingram, Zion, and Valanchunas. But then you've got Devontae Graham, you've got, who's, again, not a long-term piece for them, but Trey Murphy's surely going to have a larger role this season, and playing Zion at center is going to enable him to get into more of those lineups, and there's Jackson Hayes as well. So, yeah, Valanchunas, I, I do worry a little bit about his production and how it fits with Zion. Again, they've played zero minutes together, so we don't know. And if Valanchunas plays 27 instead of 31, I, I don't think anyone should be shocked at that. That's my take on it as well. And it's it's an interesting depth chart in New Orleans because mm. especially once you get Dyson Daniels starting to get minutes, once uh, Kira Lewis potentially comes back from an ACL tear later this season, um, you have Jose Alvarado still there. Oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they fit all these pieces together from a team that was successful last year with a lot of without a lot of the guys who are going to be coming into the rotation this year. They're not the deepest team, but they're not far off, to be honest, in terms of figuring out that rotation. And players like, I don't know what the hell's up going to happen with Devontae Graham because you could argue he's their third best point guard and then Dyson Daniels takes over uh, to become that third guy because there's McCullum and then there is Alvarado as well. Graham offers different things to those guys, but like who knows where it fits and then you're getting 25 minutes out of Trey Murphy who might be in their closing lineup. Like how do you, how do you figure it all out? There's a lot to sort of sort through with that. After Jones was Sadiq Bay, Andrew Wiggins... Um, Sticks, Jalen Smith, Valanchunas, and then Tari Eason. Again, the rookie run is remaining almost undefeated here. I like Eason. Again, that is wildly high for me for Dyson Daniels. I don't know how great he's going to be, and I don't know how much he's going to play this season. Um, that's that's pretty wild to me for him to go at that point. How does that align with your ADP data on Dyson? Uh, Dyson's going a, a little bit outside the top 100 and kind of like he went here. I think that a lot of people probably are, are seeing um, the a high assist rate, the good steal rate, um, pretty good rebounds because he's about 6'8 in shoes. Um, it, it, there's, a, there's a Lonzo Ball kind of stat profile. Um, when it comes to Dyson Daniels, but I, and I like the fact that he's with Fred Vinson who helped turn Lonzo ball into the shooter that he is now. Uh, but I do b- agree with you that a role this year is going to be difficult to come by. So with Dyson, I would be more willing to try to acquire him later when the minutes are few and his value drops a little bit. I'm getting to a stage where I don't really know what to do with my next pick. Hmm. We had Fultz go at the top there of round 10. There is value sitting around here. Capella, Jeremy Grant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, um, Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. Um, Brandon Clark. I don't. Jalen Smith is for some reason still sitting in my queue, and I, I know he's been picked, so I don't know what he's doing there. So after Fultz goes Clay, then Draymond Green. So we're getting some of these older guys off the board now. Hmm. I've got a lot of big men. Shangun, Porzingis, Williams, Isaiah Jackson. But there is a name as a big man that is standing out to me. I don't think long-term he's a starter. Matt, and that's Isaiah Stewart. But I think we might get a little bit of value out of him this season. I really like Isaiah Stewart. And honestly, when we did this dynasty draft the first time um, last yeah. year, we, we uh, or earlier this year, we, we uh, had Isaiah Stewart much higher yep. uh, than this. But 
I, I think that he's a really good defensive player. I he like is. the fact that he has some touch. He showed improved free throw shooting at the end of the year, and they finally allowed him to shoot three-pointers, which he was not allowed to until the end of the season when Dwayne Casey finally allowed him to do it. And this is how Dwayne Casey thinks about big men, sl- slowly increase their role. And we've seen that with different guys over time that Casey has coached uh, at the big man position. So I, I like Stewart this year, and I think there's a lot of value right now because people have soured on him. They definitely have, and I could see maybe at some point he works in next to Duran, but I don't know. I I I would I want them to start Isaiah Livers. I don't think they will. I think they'll do something completely stupid and start Marvin Bagley there just to make things as difficult as possible for Cade Cunningham because when you've got the opportunity to stifle the growth of uh, one of the best players your franchise will probably ever have, you've got to take every opportunity to do it, and that includes with a terrible coach and a terrible non-shooting, non-defense big man. That's enough Detroit slander. Um... My pick, I've, I've chucked Emmanuel quickly at the top of my queue. I don't think that he's going to go before my pick, but is he someone who's being targeted at all? I, I, look, I think there's a chance he could he could end up in Utah this season. And if we did this in three weeks after that trade goes down, or if that trade goes down, that he'd jump way up this uh, queue. Yeah, I like quickly a lot. What a what a great finish uh, to the season. Yep. I know that's a common theme that we've been bringing up, but I mean, with quickly, he was finally getting the opportunity that he should have been getting over Alec Burks earlier in the year, and he looked great. So I, I do hope he gets that opportunity, gets to play in Utah, and it looks like you are up with your selection. Yep, because uh, Jer- it went Hartenstein, Jared Vanderbilt, who's going to have a big opportunity this season. It looks like Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Sohan. That is that is wild to me. Like that is there is a lot. I like Sohan, but there's a lot of young players still available with value. That's it's just again, it's it's the rookie allure that's there. So I did get quickly with that selection that rounds out my top ten players. Um, there's a chance quickly plays 22 minutes a night this season because there's Brunson, there's Rose, there's Fournier, there's Grimes. Look, he might be way down the pecking order, but at some point something's going to break free. Rose is going to eventually going to be let go by Tom Thibodeau from his you know from his clasp. Um, Fournier is going to disappear at some stage and things are going to happen and quickly is going to get an opportunity. It just might not be this year. Brogdon, that is... Oh, I, I wouldn't even want Brogdon at redraft at this point, let alone in Dynasty. That is... Uh, maybe they're expecting a Kevin Durant to Boston trade that opens up more minutes for Brogdon in either New York or in Brooklyn, sorry, or in Boston, but uh, no thanks. Yeah, Brogdon has an ADP of 145.8 coming out of our last series of mocks. I think most people are pretty far out on him, and that's right. Uh, he just can't play enough minutes in Boston to have the value that he had in Indiana. So what are you, what are, right. what are you doing? Oh, Isaiah Stewart went, damn it. He did. Um, so this is actually pretty interesting at this point. We're 120 picks in. Um, I think that there's some nice young players that I'm willing to invest in that I really like here. I'm going to take uh, two former teammates um, that uh, no longer play together, but I think are both have opportunity for pretty good seasons this year. First, I'm going to take Brandon Clark, um, who obviously has a tremendous amount of opportunity with Jaron Jackson out at the beginning of this year. But long-term, I think Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. fit really well together. Um, and I think there's opportunity for growth in Clark's game, even though he's a little bit older uh, for a, a player who's only been in the league for a few years. Um, also here, uh, I'm going to take one of our permanent champions who I hope is finally going to get a little bit more of a consistent role this year in Philadelphia. That's the Anthony Melton, um, a guy who I love. I know many, many uh, out there do. Jonas Nader, shout out. Um, Melton is uh, hopefully going to be able to play consistently. And, and if you do have a James Harden injury, if you do have something like that that opens things up, we could really see some huge stretches from him. I like Melton a lot, as people are well aware on this show. I... 
when the initial trade went down in draft day, there were so many people celebrating. Man, he's going to start. He's played 30 minutes a night. And I was like, there's, no, it's just, it's not going to happen. And I think you need to calm down. And then I think people have settled back in. He's possibly, Matt, going to play the similar role in terms of minutes. He was a little bit up and down in Memphis. And you're right, it should be more consistent. But over 25 minutes a night feels like a stretch when Harden and Maxi are going to be playing 36 a night in both guard spots. And... Melton's probably too too small to play the three, and the three is going to be occupied by Tobias Harris, and there's still Thibel is still there. So I think that if people were hoping for 28 minutes a night for Melton, I reckon they're going to be pretty pretty let down. I agree with that. I don't think that he's my, going to be able to pick. get that kind of role. It's my pick. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Cam Johnson. Needed to just make that Walker Kessler, Ooh. Colin Sexton. That's an interesting one. Obviously not on a team at the moment. Yeah, that's that's not that nice value for him. And Pandas underdogs, what is going on? Jake Laravia, I, I like Laravia. That is that's wild to me. How does that track with your ADP? Because I I can't imagine that makes any sense. Laravia goes later than that in in startups. I, I think that what you get here is the idea of taking these picks, these rookies, and just treating them almost as if they're still draft picks. Uh, You get to kind of put your hopes and dreams into them and kick the can down the road a little bit longer. Know that because they're young players, they're going to hold value for a little bit longer, and you don't really have to make a decision on where to go with your team. So you see people over-investing sometimes in rookies for that reason. Yeah, that's uh, there are just a lot of other players that I would rather take over LaRavia. Like, you can see on my queue, like, Jalen Williams from OKC like why wouldn't you take him over Laravia I, I I don't get that like Grimes and Murphy are second year players and to me they've got significantly larger um, fantasy values and, and upsides hitting hitting forward here so I, I don't get that at all Laravia goes then Heald goes then Cole Anthony goes do you reckon Anthony or Fultz are gonna, is going to start this season based on the way this dynasty mock went people are investing more in Fultz and Anthony and I tend to agree yeah, I, I pivoted that. Initially, I had Anthony um, in my projections to be the starter in the last few weeks. Uh, I had not talked with enough Magic fans that they're pretty confident that Markel Fultz is going to start. He obviously had a great finish uh, to the season coming back from injury, looked great as a playmaker. Um, and I, I think it can work because there's enough shooting in that lineup otherwise that he's such a reluctant shooter that he can still work offensively, even if Paolo is going to be on ball pretty significantly during the season. I just had a look at this list and yeah, Capella's available still, Lowry's available, Mitchell Robinson's still there. But a name that is, we're getting into Miles Bridges' territory. Look, there's a legitimate chance that Miles Bridges goes to jail and doesn't play in the NBA again. Would you would you be willing to take a risk on him at this round? It's going to be round 12 for you when we get back to it? Well, there's two different views on this. Number one, I'll I'll put it out what my personal opinion would be. I think fantasy is supposed to be fun. I think it's supposed to enhance your ability to enjoy uh, watching the game. And that wouldn't be very fun for me to root for Miles Bridges uh, to come back given the allegations against him. But from a purely trying to win at fantasy perspective, uh, I think that this is probably the range uh, where you could take a flyer on that because so many of these young players that are out there will never reach the level that Miles Bridges already did. Almost none of them at this range that we're picking from are going to be as good as he was last year. His career is going to be altered by this. There's a good chance that he never gets the, the same kind of role going forward because teams will not trust him and he might not be paid in a way where he's going to get that kind of role depending on the outcome of the allegations. Uh, so it's a difficult situation, but there's obviously upside if he does get his career back on track. Yeah, it's uh, I I won't take him. I, I know that like cause the, the risk of never playing again is legitimately there. And you're right. I just don't, I just don't want to have this bloke on my team. Like simple as that. Like maybe things get 
um, resolve and he's innocent. It's all all not real, which seems really, really unlikely. But I don't care. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. Um, Moses Moody goes. Then Jalen Williams goes. Williams was in my queue. There's a name that I've found that probably shouldn't be still available. And that's Kyle Kuzma. Are people, why are people so... Uh, I am not a Kyle Kuzma fan, as people are well aware. But he was really quite good last season. So I, I think we're getting to the stage where it's just... it's like. If Pokyshevsky and Jalen Johnson are going here to Kyle Kuzma, I reckon we there's something a little bit off there. Yeah, I mean we're we're beyond Kuzma's ADP at this point. His ADP in the last series was one twenty four point eight, which is still a little bit low relative to the production he got from him last year. And obviously with Beal back at full health, with Porzingis in the lineup too, you could see the numbers coming back a little yeah. bit. But he'd still be a good value here. I some of these look, Dan Gafford goes ahead of him. I, I do like Gafford, but I just I don't know. There's some interesting builds here with players. I guess it's all, some of this stuff is eye of the beholder. Like this monkey tennis took Chris Duarte and Dan Gafford. I like Gafford. I don't like Duarte that much. I, I, they're just not guys that I would prioritize. And Jalen Johnson's a very, very deep pull. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. We actually have no idea because he's barely played. And they're just other guys that I think you can provide, get more value at it. Like you know, Josh Hart's going to give you good numbers. And Mr. Black is going to absolutely run away with his first year pot. I would suspect maybe your team gets close to him, Matt, but his team looks actually your team is probably is going to get close to him. Um, but I, I just, yeah, he's just picking up the value as it falls. Clinker Pala goes there. Some of these guys you might get one or two years out of and or of production out of, but Capella should beat this number at least for this season. So it is, it's what makes dynasty rankings, what makes dynasty mocks, makes dynasty drafts, dynasty leagues really challenging is that you have the categories portion of it. And then you have the, the competing, the tanking, the rebuilding, the valuations, the ups and downs, all that stuff um, adds extra dimensions onto things. Yeah, and this is why I love Dynasty because you have different levels of strategy and different uh, different strategies across your entire league. Uh, it, it just makes it so much more enjoyable, even more so than a redraft league. So my mate Kyle Kuzma just went, which is annoying because I was going to take him. Uh, then goes Portis, and then there we go. That decision has been made. Miles Bridges is gone, um, and he's yeah. In the chat, he said I took him, not auto draft. Thank you for clarifying that. Now I don't really need another center, so I'm not going to go with Mitch Robinson. I am going to take old mate Trey Murphy. I really believe in Trey Murphy as a player. And I think we'll see what happens with the Pelicans. But I think that in a couple of years' time, there's a 30-minute-a-night player in there with some real top 70-type upside. So I know him and Johnson are probably similar sort of players who I took back-to-back, but I don't care. I think there's both good value in those guys. Do you think Trey Murphy is going to end up being a better fantasy player in the long run than Herb Jones, or would you have Herb above him? No, I think Trey will be better, personally. I know Herb had some real value. People love quoting that he was you know, top 50 last season. Yeah, that's total value in including turnovers, which I think is a horrendous way to view a player and their value. That's not the sort of player he is. I worry that he doesn't have the ability to scale up usage. Um, the defense, the defensive stats are there, and he's a better offensive option than, say, uh, Matisse Thibel. But I'm not sure that... You know, uh, Trey Murphy could be a 17, 18-point-per-game scorer with, with eight boards, three threes, uh, a steal, and a block. And that's, you know, I think, significantly better than what Herb could peak out at. Now, Herb probably has a much higher floor and more consistency, but I think that Trey has the higher upside. Yeah, I think the, the scenario where Z scores can not tell the whole story, especially when it comes to steals numbers, because Herb's steals oh, yeah. were so extraordinary that it just completely blows them out of proportion in the mm-hmm. perception that people have of their fancy value. 
Absolutely. So uh, Trey Jones just went off the board, which is interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Hmm. I am on the clock here uh, to round out the 12th round. And there's a couple centers uh, here that I think are going to have good roles this year in minutes. Um, and getting, being able to get them at, you know, outside of the top 140 uh, is pretty nice because they're both young as well. So I'm uh, even though I like his counterpart a little bit more from a per minute perspective, I'm going to take Mitchell Robinson here because Isaiah Hartenstein is already off the board. And I'm going to come back uh, with the uh, turn here and take Nicholas Claxton, his friend, just for down the way in Brooklyn, um, who should have a rather substantial role as a center this year because really the only other options on the roster at this point are De'Ron Sharp, uh, who is also an interesting young big uh, that I'll probably be looking at a little bit later on. Yeah, I've got Sharp not far off the top of my queue at the moment. I think he's got some real significant upside, and he's super young, and he might develop into a better player than Claxton, so I do have him high up. So he's an interesting name there. The Robinson one is fairly, fairly no-brainer-ish at that sort of stage, I think, as much as, again, I'm with you, and I think Hartenstein's better. I don't think that really matters when we know which guy's going to play more this season. Zaire Williams, that's... Uh, that's interesting. He, I, he impressed me last season. I wasn't a huge fan of the draft pick, but he did impress me, so that's a good selection there. And then we are one pick away from mine, so I'm just trying to figure out what I'm trying to do. I do have Quentin Grimes sitting in my queue. Um, do I just double down on the Mitchell to New York train and hope that either quickly or Grimes moves across into a large role? Grimes is a really interesting player, I think. He can be a lead ball handler. He can be a good shooter. He can be a, a, a high-level scorer as well. But there are other guys out there who are going to produce immediately. And hmm, he got Lowry there. Is Gordon Haywood still available? It is my pick now. Zubats is still there. Ooh, there's a lot of older guys. Uh, you, you know what? Let's just, at this point, I'm just going to take Monty Morris, I think. I need some point guard numbers. I need some guards. He's not exciting, but he's good at this spot. He's got to play minutes, obviously. They don't really have anything at point guard beyond him. And uh, it's difficult because we obviously saw him in a starting role last year, a pretty large role. Do you think he's going to be playing significantly more minutes than he did last year in Denver? I think he only played 30 minutes a night. So I think he can get an extra one or two minutes. And I didn't know this, but I think towards the end of the season, he was about, well, not, I didn't know this because I, I could have seen the information, but it didn't really click in my head when I was talking about him a few months ago. I think he was like top 75 over the last two months. But I think the initial, much like the Danthe Melton thing, the initial reaction to the trade was, oh, wow, now he gets away from Jokic. He's going to have this huge usage spike. And that's just not true to me because Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma, they're going to be the usage guys. So he's going to probably see a usage decrease, I would expect, but we probably do see an increase in assists. He's just not a guy that's going to hunt his shots. Um, he's super efficient. He's got one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the NBA. Him and Tyus Jones are nearly always one and two in that number. But I don't think he's going to have this gigantic offensive role going from you know, playing next to Will Barton and Jokic, where he was third behind those guys, to now playing also with Will Barton, but Bill Porzingis and Kuzma as well, where he might legitimately be the fifth offensive option in that starting lineup. Got some really interesting young players just selected after you. Josh Primo, obviously, he's going to have as much opportunity as he wants, likely, this year. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with it. I'm not sure he's uh, good. But... I, I, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm, I think that, okay, let's put it this way. It's Primo, Wesley, and Branham, three guys all playing a similar position. Um, who do you think is better long-term? I thought that... Wesley was by far the most confident uh, of, of the bunch and aggressive. Um, he didn't had a little bit of tunnel vision at points in summer league 
but he probably has the most upside, at least being able to blow by people uh, and be able to create space and advantage uh, going to the rim. Um, Primo, I think, can become a good shooter, but I don't really see a whole lot beyond that. Branham was a guy that I liked pre-draft, but disappeared in summer league, and uh, I wasn't terribly encouraged uh, for him to be able to become a, a primary or even really strong secondary creator long term. Yeah, that's basically how I see it as well. I think Wesley shows that most star upside out of that trio, but there is efficiency concerns for sure. But I think he can develop into... I think they're going to try and make Primo into a combo guard, and I don't think it's going to work, whereas I think that's what Wesley should become, a guy that, you know, best-case scenario, can become Bradley Beal or a Bones Highland, a guy that's sort of a point guard but also a big scorer. I think he's got that upside to do that. Let's just recap. You were talking about Primo, and then it was Little and Quentin Grimes, who so were annoyed that Grimes went there. Then Herder, Ty Ty Washington, Derek White, and if it's a Zubats. Um, sorry for interrupting you about those young guys. What do you got to say more about those guys? Uh, Grimes is exciting. I mean, this is another situation where we're being held hostage with this Utah-New York uh, situation with the Donovan Mitchell trade. Obviously, we've heard that Utah wants to get Grimes. They want him to be one of the key pieces. New York wants to hold on him, onto him. And I think that's why the deal, part of the reason why the deal probably hasn't happened yet. But either way, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Thibodeau handles Grimes this year because he should play him. Uh, he should play him a significant amount of minutes. I just don't know if that means he's taking Evan Fournier out of the re- rotation. He's taking, you know, his best friend Derek Rose out of it. Is quickly getting less minutes. It's difficult to be able to find how that's going to work in the Thibodeau rotation where the starters play such heavy minutes. There was a report yesterday, I think it was, saying that the Knicks refused to trade Derek Rose because Tom Thibodeau wants to keep him. Like, um, if that's the holdup in a Donovan Mitchell trade, like my guys please just fire Tom Thibodeau. Like, what are we doing? The Rose is 34. He plays 40 games a season. He's really, really solid. But you've had Derek Rose playing those 40 games the last two seasons. Like, what, what does it bring in you? Like, if that's the holdup, then that, that whole organization needs to just shut it down. Um, two guys got picked here who I just am not fans of at all. After um, Zubats went Norm Powell, Larry Markner, and then Cam Reddish and Johnny Davis. And I just could not be less excited for those players. Yeah, Davis had uh, an awful summer league, and everyone has been talking about how bad it was. Uh, I, I think that he's a guy who took a lot of contested shots at Wisconsin and carried the entire load for an offense that was built entirely around him. Um, he's going to have to become a much better shooter to be able to be successful in the NBA, and it, that remains to be seen whether he can do that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Were you? I was pretty down on him pre-draft, and so when the summer league happened, I went, okay, I, I, this is not a surprise. Like I'm not massively into this guy. Um, how were you seeing him before summer league? It's yeah, a, I, I was not a huge pick. fan because I'm just making my pick while you talk. Go. I was not a huge fan of uh, Davis in his pre-draft profile. He's a strong rebounder for a guard, but there really wasn't a whole lot there other than slightly inefficient scoring. Um, didn't see good assist numbers. Not well, there were defensive stats, so it, it wasn't a very appealing stat set. And obviously, that got backed up by a pretty poor summer league performance when he was on a bad Wizards roster and should have been. Uh, getting all the opportunity he wanted. He, he looked very passive. Uh, so it was not encouraging. I don't try to put too much stock in the summer league because we've seen cases like last year with Franz Wagner uh, where he had a bad summer league and then was great during the season. Uh, but there's not a lot to like with Johnny Davis at this point uh, other than the draft uh, capital that was spent on him by Washington. See, you're right. Wagner's numbers weren't good. I thought he looked good in summer league last season. I was impressed with what he looked like. And we talk about Davis, like on a terrible summer league team who had everything could have been like focused around him. It's exactly the same situation that Keegan Murray was in. And Murray took full advantage of that. That summer league roster is rough. And that's why I'm a little bit skeptical of some of Murray's numbers carrying over because he was the number one guy and the number two guy. Whereas in Sacramento, he's going to be the number 
four guy, maybe, maybe number three in the offense. And yeah, scaling that back is going to be interesting. But he took advantage of being, hey, I'm the guy in this summer league team. I'm going to do everything and I'm going to put up numbers. Whereas Johnny Davis was in that situation and and nothing worked out at all. After Johnny Davis went Paul Reed, Obi Toppin, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and then a couple of Hayes's, Killian Hayes and Jackson Hayes. I took, amazingly, yes, I did. I took Dylan Brooks. I don't know what came over me, but I did take him. Then went Usman Jang, which again is just a massive rice, uh, not rice doll, a, a dice roll. And then DeAndre Hunter. And now it's you, Matt. 17 seconds left. Let's go. All right. Um, let's let's take some of the old uh, fantasy. Yeah. Some of some of the uh, the fantasy stars of the past that we can add here. I'm going to also add on Kyle Lowry onto this as well, because I think he's going to have a bounce back season. Last year was strange, missed a lot of time for personal reasons, wasn't in the best shape. Um, I think he's going to be motivated to be able to have a stronger season. And maybe there's only one good Kyle Lowry season left, but for my roster, I think that's going to be helpful. And Hayward's going to have as much opportunity as he can handle with Bridges, uh, not playing most likely all season. He'll almost certainly get hurt, but I'm at this point picking around 170. I'm happy to be able to take what could easily be top 100 production um, from Hayward for, you know, 55, 60 games. We're really deep into our bench here. Now we've got, I'm picking my fifth bench player, so I can take a little bit of upside-y sort of guys. Tom Bryant just goes next, who I think exceeds this number this season. I think he's going to be the starter over Damian Jones next to Anthony Davis. And I don't love Bryant as an on-court player necessarily with his lack of defense. He's a guy that has an opportunity to put up fantasy stats. Wow, Stephen Adams MVP just loading up on guys in the draft here. Jeng and then AJ Griffin. So it's back to me. I'm going to take, again, it's a bit of a flyer, I'm going to take Dayron Sharp. Just sit on the bench, see where we go. Maybe, maybe he's, Claxton's not particularly um, robust in terms of physicality, so maybe Dayron can jump in with some good numbers there. So I'm, a, I'm okay with getting him and sitting him on my bench. I like Sharp a lot. He's a really strong rebounder. He's, he's starting to develop really some ability to be able to stretch out to three. And we need to remember how the Nets have structured these contracts. Claxton uh, has a couple more years on his deal on the extension that he just signed. But that means that Sharp has three years left. So they have the ability to be able to move on from Claxton. And that might happen before the end of those two years. Sharp easily could be set up to become the long-term starter at center there if he continues to be able to develop. And at this point, that's worth the opportunity. It's really interesting, again, in Dynasty to see the way people value you guys. And who knows who's right or wrong? Because like, I see Usman Jengo and AJ Griffin go. And then I see Dale and Terry go one pick after Dayron Sharp. And I go, what's going on? Like I, They were not even remotely close to my consideration there. But who knows? Like, it might change in three years where I go, man, that's a steal. Usman Jeng at pick 150 or whatever it is. Um, but at this point, like, my valuation of those guys is just wildly different. After Dale and Terry was Lou Dort, I hope Ball Lives Matter here goes back-to-back on B. Bogdanovich's and takes Boyan just for the fun of it. We'll see whether that's what he actually does or not, or he or she, because I don't know who Ball Lives Matter is. don't want to be sexist there. Um, Marvin Bagley, oh, yuck. Um, all right, so... I know this is not going to be the case, Matt, but when you look at Detroit's roster, Marvin Bagley should be not even a regular rotation player. He should be the 11th man in that rotation, in my opinion. Someone is going to miss out based on how their roster is structured. How do you see him playing? Do you think he's going to start? Do you think he's going to... He he literally shouldn't play, but do you think that he's going to start? 
So I am a lifelong Detroit Pistons fan. Um, and sadly, I have to tell you that I do think Marvin Bagley probably will start because I think it's clear that Troy Weaver values him as someone who can be a starter. Uh, I think they also want to try to have his, his at least leaping ability, lob ability out there on the court with Kate Cunningham. That's what they featured a lot down the stretch last year. Um, and I, I think they're going to do it. It's not going to work uh, because ultimately, especially if you're playing Stewart too, I just don't really see how that's going to be able to fit on the court. I, I agree that Livers would give them the spacing that they actually need to be able to let Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey be maximized on the court. That should be the focus, but I don't think it will be. <sighs> it's going to be frustrating. Someone decent is going to miss out on a rotation spot because they paid Marvin Bagley too much. They they paid too much to get Marvin Bagley in the trade, which is you shouldn't pay anything. And then they paid him too much in terms of a contract and then they're going to play him too many minutes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he turns it around and becomes good. And I'll happily admit it if that is the case, but I doubt it. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker go. Actually, Bagley, Dinwiddie, Al Horford. Good value there. Horton Tucker. Hmm. I've seen some people think he doesn't even play in the rotation for the Lakers this season, which looking at their roster... It feels insane. Their roster is horrendously bad, but who knows? He wasn't particularly good last season. And then Westbrook goes there at that. Uh, okay, here we go. Question, Nikola Jovic goes, I don't like him as a player at all, really. Westbrook goes there at pick 179. How many seasons do you reckon Westbrook plays in the NBA from here on yeah, out? This could be... Yeah, this could be over quickly. Speaking as a Detroit Pistons fan, it, it does feel a little bit like the end when, you know, you're seeing Allen Iverson, um, you know, jumping around to a couple teams where all, it's clear that he can't do what he wanted to uh, on the court, but he's still trying. Um, Westbrook, if he does not change his game, which there's no reason to think that he will, it could be out of the league within you know, one or two seasons, uh, especially because it appears based on his recent moves uh, with uh, his representation that he thinks that he should still be a starting player and not uh, try to take a backseat as a role player to be able to prolong his career. Absolutely. That is the concern that I think that after this contract goes or expires, that maybe he finds somewhere and people are offering him just a minimum or mid-level exception. He doesn't want to take it. Like sometimes the end just comes like, Carmelo Anthony was okay for the Lakers last season. Is anyone signing him? It doesn't look like it. Like, who knows what's going to happen there? Like, obviously, there's a lot of age difference there, but Melo at least adjusted his game. If Westbrook doesn't, then he's not going to play. After Jovic was Cam Thomas, Precious Achua, Trey Mann, who I am not particularly high on, but it's fine to take him at this spot. And I'm at a little bit of a crossroads as to who I select with my next pick. We're still four or five away, so maybe I don't even have the option here. But there are a couple of Nuggets players who have slid down. That's Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon who are almost definitely going to exceed this draft spot for this coming season. Um, they're not super old either. So it's more just, I guess, people are worried about that the upside is pretty limited playing with Jokic, Murray, and Porter. But at some point, like that value there, having that reliable guy on the bench has some appeal. Like I don't think, Matt, and you can disagree with me on this, you play more dynasty leagues than I do, is that having your bench all stacked with upside is always the way to go because you're going to get injuries in your top 10 or your starters. And having someone, if you are looking to be competitive and compete, that can come off the bench and provide numbers versus like, I'm in a situation where I've got to throw Usman Jeng in there and he plays one minute and scores one point. Um, that Having a little bit of you know, depth and current value on that bench is important. 
That's right. I mean, we're we're into the 16th round at this point, so it's okay now to be able to be taking some players, you know, with your final handful of picks that are going to just, you know, not just kind of sit there, not play this year. Uh, you don't really need them in your playing rotation. You can still be competitive. That's why we have these deep rosters. Uh, but if you stack too many of those, you, you can waste good years from some of the top players that you selected because you lean too heavily on upside from guys who aren't going to play. So we had... Trey Mann, Robert Covington, Ayoda Sunmu, Kelly Oubre, David Roddy, which is, feels crazy to me. Um, again, I, I don't know who this guy is. He's, he's a pick in the 20s who might literally never become a rotation player. That There's just uh, there's other guys out there. Anyway, that's fine, Big Sweezy. We all make our decisions. Chumura Kiki. Then I went with Isaiah Livers. I just I really like the upside with Livers. Alex Caruso, Dorian Finney-Smith. Upside, but also... Matt, as you said, Pearson's fan. He, he might play this season, and I would be I would be giving him 25 minutes a night straight off if I was Dwayne Casey. But if you took Bruce Brown, you bastard. Um, if I was Dwayne Casey, I'd do a lot of things differently. What, what are you doing for this second pick after you stole Bruce Brown away from me? Oh, that's difficult because there's, you know, maybe is there one good Mike Conley season left? Eh, maybe. Uh, you know, guys like John Wall are out there. Maybe he catches lightning in the bottle, but I think Reggie Jackson uh, could end up being the more valuable player. We haven't seen Wall play good basketball in a long time. Um, I think I'm going to stick with staying old and and uh, trying to win this year and keeping up with Mr. Black. Uh, I'm going to take a guy who I think could still have some productive time left in, that's Brooke Lopez. I, I need a little help in blocks, and I think getting him this late will be helpful to me. Here's a question for you that I asked or that I answered on my show yesterday. So people who are listening to this might have heard this yesterday. What did John Wall average in Houston? As far as like points, yeah. rebounds, assists? Just, yeah. yeah. What, what, do you remember what he averaged? I don't. I don't. What, what are the numbers? It was like 20 and 7 he averaged. Um, it wasn't particularly efficient, but he still in those 40 games averaged 20 points and like 7 or 8 assists. So we haven't seen him play full seasons, but the last time he was on the court, he actually produced okay. So I don't really know where he goes from here, but that was after a two-year layoff. He came back and dropped 20 points per game. Again, weird situation, high usage, low efficiency. I'm just going to take Jordan Clarkson here. Um, But he did come back after that layoff and put up really, really strong numbers. We are still another year removed from that or a year and a half removed from that. But... He was relatively impressive in terms of just a pure volume um, situation in that time in Houston. Yeah, I just don't see the volume being there. Oh, no, it won't be. No, there's no yeah. way he's going to get that volume on this team. But um, I think people are under the impression that, A, he hasn't played in four years, which isn't true. And they're also under the impression that he sucked when he was out there. And that's not 100% true. He wasn't old John Wall, not even close. But he didn't 100% suck. I think that's more the point I'm trying to get across. Yeah, it, it, he is, unlike Russell Westbrook, at least been saying publicly that he's willing to be able to take a little bit of a backseat relative to being the star player on the team. I think he referred to kind of being like number three uh, behind Paul George and Kawhi. Uh, that's probably not even going to be the case in this roster. Maybe, you know, if he has an especially good season. But uh, I think that there's at least something there to be able to say that he's just ready to be on a good basketball team again. I picked Jordan Clarkson at whatever that pick was, when Aaron when Brooke Lopez, Aaron Gordon, Stephen Adams, Jordan Clarkson, then Malachi Branham, Usman Garuba, and Keon Johnson, who had a really good summer league, but might play 30 games in five minutes a night. Like, honestly, like he is their fifth guard, I'm going to guess, behind Lillard, Simons, Hart, Sharp. Maybe he plays ahead of Sharp. Um, he's got some upside, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Actually, you know what? Scrap that. I don't hate it. I think there is good upside in him. 
Yeah, I like him here because uh, obviously, you know, it's good growth of the summer league and it's confusing with Portland. I think they're going to obviously try to push very hard to be a winning team this year at the outset. I don't think the bench is necessarily strong enough to be able to work unless they you know, are perfectly healthy within their starters. Um, I could see them falling apart again, especially if they have uh, obviously an injury to Damian Lillard again. But even if they're just some injuries, you know, to Nurkic, uh, it could get ugly a little bit quickly on this roster. And they, they have these young pieces that don't really fit into the plan of trying to push in for a, a playoff run this year. No, it is. It is an interesting roster. We'll be very intrigued to see how they work things and how the rotation looks and how lineups look and all that sort of stuff. Grant Williams goes after Blake Wesley. We talked about Wesley already, but he was the third guard going out of that trio we talked about when we both thought that maybe he might be the best of the group. So that was interesting. Grant Williams, Tyus Jones, Mike Conley. So they are hoping for one more season out of him. Interesting that Harrison Barnes still sits there. He's going to obviously smash this value for at least one season. Well, there he goes at pick 204. That is some tremendous value from Barnes, who is one of the most anemic shot blockers ever as a 6'9", 40. He never blocks shots. It's pretty weird. Oh, Christian Coloco. He was on my little queue. Hopefully, I'd slide him through to round 20. But he goes there at uh, number 18. Although, Matt, Christian Coloco, not on a roster, not signed. So I don't... I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's probably not going to play this season, though, because their roster already has, I think, 16 guys on it. And yeah, Toronto is loading up with a bunch of non-guaranteed contracts. Yeah. You know, Hernan Gomez, uh, DJ Wilson. I mean, there's there's a lot going on there. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle Coloco. You'd think where they selected him that they would be giving him a guaranteed contract, but it hasn't happened yet. Yep, he's, he literally doesn't even have a non-guarantee. He's got nothing. He's just not signed yet, so... Interesting to see where they uh, where they slide him in. I also like that pick, Jalen Noel. I think Jalen Noel is going to have an interesting role this season. James Booknight, wow, that's a name I never thought of. Um, he was atrocious last season, but Charlotte, I think, is going to be really bad. So maybe there's an opportunity. Much like Johnny Davis, I didn't like him pre-draft, and his rookie season lived up to that expectation. Do you have him higher than this, or where are you? Uh, where are you at with Booknight? I'm, I'm a little bit lower on, well, I, I have players higher than Book Knight at this point. Um, I, I did not like the pre-draft profile from Book Knight, and I also don't really feel like Steve Clifford is going to want to uh, play a guard who has inconsistent defensive effort at best, um, and, and it seemed to have some attitude issues as well last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that could be a bad mix uh, with the new coaching staff there in Charlotte. I uh, I tend to agree. I'm not massively high on him, and he was, he's not, wasn't remotely in my queue of guys to select I am looking at, so after after Book Knight was John Wall and then Jay Sean Tate, who I think is going to lose that starting job really quickly and will probably never be a starter in the NBA again, would be my guess. I think he's a solid player, good rotation guy. Um, but yeah, the difference between him and like a Kenrich Williams in Oklahoma City, to me, they're a very similar player, just that Tate's been pushed into a larger role these first couple of seasons. Maybe he proves me wrong. I'm not massively high on him. Josh Christopher was at the top of my queue and he's just gone. Um... I'm thinking of rolling the dice on Rashawn Holmes. I know he's going to have a limited role this season, but there is still, like, if he starts, that's a top 50 player. Like, if he gets traded somewhere and starts, it's... What is that pick? So, I'm sorry. Can you just talk <laughs> about that pick while I just... Wow, while I just work out what I'm going to yeah. do here. Far out. That so, is wild. Orlando Robinson is a essentially a summer league. I think he might have gotten an Exhibit 10 contract, but I don't even think that's correct. I no, he, he didn't. even just been a summer league invite yeah, he's uh, not to the Miami anywhere. Heat. 
so very, this is something that everyone needs to be aware of. You have to be on the lookout for what the contract status of players are. I mean, even if you like someone in summer league, you need to know that they actually have a decent chance to be on an NBA roster or even part of an NBA organization's plans at all. And we don't have that for Robinson at this point. Uh, so it, it's really important to know your contracts, even if you're not in a contract league. And, and that's something that I, I think can give you a huge advantage in dynasty leagues by knowing how much investment teams have put into players, how many guaranteed years they have, whether they're on a two-way contract or not. Those are the things that you need to understand, especially with deeper sleepers. Yeah, you're right. Like, I'm just going to double check this, but he's not even on an exhibit 10. He's not even on their training camp roster at this point, Orlando Robinson. Like, he's okay, a bit of a slow-footed big out of Fresno State. Um, I'm just double-checking their roster, but the comment from Panda in the chat says, he took Jokic in round 18. I've just got to wait a few years. I don't think that Jokic and Robinson are remotely remotely the same. Like Jokic should never have felt fallen that far. I didn't have him as the best player in the draft, of course. On actually my my bad, he is on an exhibit ten. There you go. He they must have just brought him in. It's him, Jamal Kane and Jamari Boyea who are on their exhibit ten deals. Uh, that must have been a, a recent um addition. But that is still a crazy, crazy pick when there are other guys out. There's another thirty round draft or anything like that. That to me that's pretty wild. So I had my couple picks here uh, and just kind of taking some swings on some permanent production. Uh, TJ Warren, um, obviously held a huge question, but this is a guy who's been around a top 50 player in production in previous seasons and could have a lot of opportunity in Brooklyn, depending on how the rest of their offseason goes. Uh, and then Chris Boucher, who I don't think is going to get to play big minutes, but when he does get to play, uh, there's good fancy production that comes with it. They did re-sign him, uh, which shows some investment into him. And hopefully that means he's out of Nick Nurse's doghouse for long enough to be able to give me some numbers. Yeah, almost no chance he's at a Nick Nurse's doghouse, unfortunately, because he is you know, 30 and I don't think he's improved the things that Nurse hates. And if they are healthy, he will struggle. But at this point, who cares? Like It's it's really good value now. I was debating between Rashawn Holmes and Will Barton with my last selection. I took Holmes, so now I'm going to go a little bit more upside with my pick, assuming that Stephen Adams' MVP doesn't take Santi Aldama away from me. Aldama, with Jaron Jackson out, maybe he's in the rotation straight away. Maybe he's not. But they took him with a first-round pick last season, albeit pick 30. He looked great in Summer League and... I'll take that flyer on him. Oh, he is available because Seth Curry just went one pick before. Let's take Santi there and throw him in. Do you have, am I on an island there with Aldama? Is it, do you have any view on his upside? I didn't have a lot of optimism about Aldama after his rookie year, but obviously it was a strong summer league performance where it showed real growth. And Memphis just tends to, you know, knock these picks out of the park and mm. find a lot of value later on in the draft. So in some at some points, you're just willing to invest in an organization that seems to know more than, you know, the general NBA fan population does. And I, I think Memphis did a, had a great draft this year. A lot of guys that I like in fantasy, a lot of pre-draft profiles that I like, they saw something in Aldama to take him uh, where they did last year. And, and I think it's worth the investment at this stage of a dynasty start yep um good because i did it um after him went goga and then went rj hampton and kj martin in houston we're down to well we've both only got one pick left in this draft so we're getting close towards the end of this draft what do you will you go young again do you think with your last pick or will you yeah will you just uh yeah, look because your last three picks four picks five picks six picks seven picks eight picks are all being like veteran type players you don't really have many absolute flyer upside guys no, I mean, and this is something that I wanted to be able to talk about. I mean, especially when you're caught talking about 12-team dynasty leagues, kind of your standard dynasty league, maybe with more casual players in it, depending on what where you're playing. 
the average dynasty league, there have been studies that show, and I think this is from fantasy football, but it applies to fantasy basketball as well. The leagues on average last about four years, yep. and that's the league lasting that long relative to how long you're going to be interested in the league. So I think one of the biggest market inefficiencies in dynasty leagues is just trying to win them. Um, and it, it might not be as exciting as getting young players and watching them break out, but I think there can be a lot of value in these startups to just collecting a team that's going to be able to win immediately in the first year. And if you have a good team with good players, even if they're older, you're going to be able to trade them because they were productive. Uh, so I think that's that's something to be able to consider when you're doing this and, and what was my strategy here in this startup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like go in general in a dice league, I tried to go a little bit younger here, but in general, I'm just like, I almost treat it like a redraft and just let's try to win the first two years and then uh, adjust from there and see what happens because you know, we're not NBA GMs and they screw up the NBA draft all the time. So these guys that get picked at certain spots, they don't always turn out good. In fact, a lot of the time they don't. Um, after KJ went Larry Nance, Max Struess, Corey Kispert, Zach Collins, Isaac Okoro, Andre Drummond, Boyan Bogdanovich. It's pretty good value there. Aaron Neesmith. I don't think he's an NBA player at all. Omer Yurtseven. Eh, I'm not sure about him. Maybe he put up good numbers last season in a interesting um, situation that was really tailored to him putting up those numbers and then fell off completely. I like this Juice McBride pick. Then we go to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I've got on my queue Will Barton and Jose Alvarado. Um, so I'm hoping one of those guys gets to me. The other guy I could consider... Tell you who's in, oh, well, I want to hear your opinion on this guy. What do you think of Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte? Well, he's got a lot of potential, and there's a lot of potential for him in that in that rotation. Um, if they don't end up leaning heavily on Cody Martin as much as they did last year, who is a good player, and I think he's going to play a decent amount, but there isn't the level of upside that you could get from um, a Jalen McDaniels. So I think it's a worth, worthy stash at the end of a dynasty roster. I've just realized that this guy is also available, and that's Zeke Naji. I think he's got some really big upside. Um, so I've got Barton, Alvarado, McDaniels, and Naji. Last pick, upside-ish play. Alvarado's got the steals value, obviously. Can he ever be a starting point guard? Maybe Pat Beverly-like career, which is still pretty solid. Naji, he was really cracking on until that ankle injury last season. There's McDaniels. Let's go with... I'm going to take Zeke. All right, let's take Zeke. So that leaves three picks left. What do you who who do you want to fall to you here? Well, there's a few guys, young guys, or kind of post-hype guys who, you know, maybe there's still a little glimmer of hope that as uh, second team, second contract players. Kobe White has completely fallen off the map. I don't even know if he's going to play for Chicago this year, but he has had productive moments and is a guy who has shown an ability to be able to dribble, shoot pass a little bit maybe maybe there's a second team for him if he gets away from chicago and doesn't have so many guards around him where he could end up becoming a somewhat productive combo guard yep i can see that completely and there's guys like isaiah roby still there Devontae graham's there Nikhil alexander walker imagine where he would have been drafted this time last year it was very high uh there, there's a lot of pain if you look back at our adp oh. over the last couple of years of data that i have and you can find all of that um at, on our website you can look back two years um, into the past that I've been collecting this data. And it really is sobering to see some of the things that people were doing in Dynasty startup drafts uh, that they now deeply regret. Darius Baisley, Terrence Mann. These guys are still available. We're 200 deep here, 240 deep, and these guys are still available. So there is still quite a bit of depth available. Mason Plumley is going to be a starting center, I think, for Charlotte, and he's still there. So you know, that's on the wire. Lonnie Walker might start for the Lakers. He's still available. Grayson Allen's going to start for the Bucks. Not that he's good, but he's still available. Um... So after Naji went Agbaji, Kobe White did go. So you got stolen away from you there, Matt. So what are you doing? Last pick, round this out. 
I'm going to round it out with uh, Darius Baisley, who's still exceptionally young, played a lot of minutes last year. I think he's probably been drafted over to some degree, but I, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the road for him. Um, a guy that I think has, has shown some flashes at points and um, I, I think it could either get an opportunity on a second team or um, maybe get to play a little bit for the Thunder as their rotation deepens throughout the year. Absolutely no problem with taking Baisley with that last selection. So before we get out of here, do you want to just let me know what your um, run through your final team and let me know what you um, how you view it and uh, you know, your overall thoughts on the draft. I think overall, I ended up with a pretty competitive team here um, with some youth at the top, but obviously some risk and age um, at, in the next couple of years. This is a roster that is going to be pretty volatile and it's probably going to be using the injured reserve quite a bit throughout the season. Um, in my starting lineup, uh, pretty good collection of young guards between Darius Garland, Darren Fox, and Terry Rozier um, on the forward line. This is this could be exceptionally strong, especially from a per game perspective. Carl Anthony Towns, Zion Williamson, Kawhi Leonard, um, and then rounded it out with uh, Nikola Vucevic, Yusuf Nurkic, Chris Paul, and then in my final flex spot, I have Brandon Clark. Uh, so I think that's a pretty strong starting lineup. Uh, there's some other strong teams also in, in in this startup that we just drafted, but I think I'll be competitive in year one with this group. Um, on the bench, like I said, there's a lot of guys who are a little bit older, whether it's Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, Brooke Lopez. So any number of those guys could play less than 50 games this year. You could easily see that. Uh, but I was able to get some guys that I like from a per minute perspective, whether it's a Mitchell Robinson or DeAnthony Melton, uh, that are going to be able to help uh, fill in my lineup and probably play a good number of games. So this, this was competitive uh, of a roster to be able to put together while still having some youth. Uh, and I liked the build of it. It is a strong team. Um, if I'm looking through my projections for how this would go for year one, you actually come out on top, um, really close up there with with Mr. Black. You are the top two teams, and then it's Brant Hoover and myself up the top in the top four there for this coming season. The Your average age is 28, same as Mr. Black. Mine is 24. The youngest team is Pandas Underdogs with an average age of just under 22. He skewed really, really young. And then um, Monkey Tennis had an average age of 23. So I, I believe my team is the third youngest team, which I'm happy with considering I think I got a bunch of guys who are going to contribute right at the moment. So if I go to my team, which you can see here on YouTube over on the on the screen over to the right, it's Halliburton, Gildas Alexander, Kevin Porter, Rob Williams, Porzingis, Keldon Johnson, Alperen Sengun, Michael Porter Jr., Isaiah Jackson, um, Emmanuel Quickly, Cameron Johnson, Trey Murphy, Monty Morris, Dylan Brooks, Dayron Sharp, Isaiah Livers, Jordan Clarkson, Rashawn Holmes, Santi Aldama, and Zeke Naji is how my squad um, finished off. Matt, that was great. Thanks for being a part of this Dynasty Mock and uh, getting to do it with us finally after last year's uh, false start. It was great to do this Dynasty Mock. Um, and again, follow Matt on Twitter at NBA Dynasty NBA, uh, NBA. Sorry, try again. NBA Dynasty ADP and the website, which is FBI-basketball.com. So go and check that out um, and check out all of his leagues. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Josh. And that will, of course, do us for today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here and you're still watching, hey, what did you think of my team? What pick did you like the most out of the whole draft? Which team did you like the most? How would you have approached it? What would you have done differently? Hope you've been commenting as we've been doing it, but drop it in the comments now down below as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.
säga 